attempt um we're doing solid here ryan yeah all, all's well at the household how about you you know oklahoma state football is five and oh i know this isn't a football podcast but we're in the thick of football season it's uh, it's october now this is when things start getting real oklahoma state's five and oh uh the packers are three and one i can't complain too much about that um and, and like you know sports is good and i'm ready for the thunder to go 20 and 62 and get a top four pick so it's like you're pleasantly surprised, but still cautiously optimistic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm in that sweet spot where hopes have not formed yet in any any part of the season um, and expectations have not formed yet. So that, that it's a sweet spot to be in as a sports fan. Yeah, right now, it's just it's all gravy for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Aaron Rodgers showing up and like playing football. That's all gravy. It's just all great. It's all great. Just trying um, to hold on to those feelings as long as they can last because they ain't forever, Ryan. I, I don't, I hope, uh, yeah. I mean, Jordan Love, I don't know. I'm not, we won't get into it. We won't I, get into I say, it. I say that right now as a Patriots fan watching the Bucks Patriots game while we're recording this. Yeah. How's that Mac Jones, Tom Brady dynamic feel right now? It's a little weird. Honestly, it's another layer on top of it. My fantasy team, I'm starting Tom Brady, mm. and I've just had the Bucks defense all year. So I'm also very conflicted because I don't want to lose in fantasy. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I mean, that's a fair point. That is, that is another point. My fantasy teams are starting to come around. They're finally starting to, you know, do something. Six years in, Ryan. Six years in. I'm um, st- fantasy football. Yeah, my dynasty team is finally hitting. I like did the did the tankathon for three years and it's finally paying off. Uh, anyways, enough enough about football, Matt. We're not we're not a football podcast. We're an NBA podcast, and um, I'm excited to talk. We're we're going to talk. I mean, preseason has started. We're going to talk about some Ben Simmons trauma eventually. Some other preseason funness that we haven't gotten to talk about yet. But first, uh, let me remind everyone to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you haven't already, find us on the podcast platform of your choice and give us a review. That would greatly help us. Matt, we're into episode 122 here. What did people miss in episode 121? So that that was our big basketball football crossover episode. Uh, Had some fun with that. A little college football, a little NFL. Um, That was a couple weeks ago. So I, I enjoyed it. It's not... It's not the full-time gig, but I did enjoy the, the nice little change up there. Yeah, we, we compared OSU to, like, the Sacramento Kings. It was great. And then the OSU has gone on to win, like, you know, all of their games since. So we're very apt in our comparisons on this podcast. Hey, as the Kings have taught us, it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> and there it is. There's the line of the podcast. Did you like that cliche coaching line there? That, that was, was great. Yeah, that was a very Tom Thibodeau I'm thing. I'm in mid-season form. Yeah, that was very Tom Thibodeau view. Thank you for that. Uh, well, we got some NBA news to talk about, Matt. Uh, are you ready? Because there's there's been quite a bit. The NBA has gotten dramatic since we 
taking a step away from, uh, you know, talking about some serious news. So first piece of news, Gerson Rosas out in Minnesota, out of nowhere, like two weeks before the season starts, he made trades like two weeks prior to being fired. He made signings the week he was let go. This is a very bizarre situation, isn't it? And Carlton Towns just kind of being left like in the dust here. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns tweeting out WTF like like 30 minutes after. Just very very weird. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Obviously, I think the athletic had a great story on some of the reasons he was was let go. Um, But I, I mean, obviously, maybe there was some tension with ownership front office, new ownership group coming in, maybe wanting a different direction. Um, I don't know. I, with this Minnesota team, you think there's going to be some traction and then there's something like this that happens. And it feels like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, it's like they just can't pick a direction, it seems. Yeah. One front office personnel wants this, one wants that. Carl Anthony Towns trying to win. They're also trying to play Anthony Edwards 30-plus minutes a night, who's still figuring out what to do in the NBA. Right. Very very difficult situation here. New coach halfway through the season. Oh, yeah. That's By, by the way, they have a new coach who's going to be coaching for the first – like, for the first full season, have a training camp and all of the things. Um, and that was Gerson Rosa's guys, you know. So that's going to be the interesting dynamic with whoever comes in – or who is coming in. Um, and if they th- decide to go, uh, you know, take interim off the title yeah. there. Because um, okay. they it, currently promoted um, uh, someone from within the organization to take over the role. Right. And so, like, is it someone who just is on the exact same page with what Rosa's plans were? Or is it like a ownership, like, this is this guy says what we want to hear. So we're going to put this guy in charge and let him do his thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, Minnesota obviously has shown, you know, they can they can go twelve games into a season and then make a move. Yeah, They've proven that in, in years past. Um, shout out Jimmy Butler. So, you know, if it's one of those disgruntled stars, I don't want to be here. I'll make a move. They've already proven they'll do it. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, and that brings us into. Uh, Sachin Gupta, Gupta, excuse me, is his replacement as the interim executive of basketball operations or whatever you want to call. Um, that brings us nicely to our next point. The Ben Simmons, the last time we talked about Ben Simmons was like, there's no way this relationship can last. There have been really no official trade requests that had been put in with the Sixers. Well, we're at that point now. We are, yeah. we are the, 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 Water has boiled over the pan. It's all over the stove. Um, and, and there might not even be any water left in, in the pot because it's all over the stove. Um, I, ben Simmons, I, I mean, preseason started this week. And, of course, like media days happened. Joel Embiid gave some very pointed comments about the situation, essentially saying that Ben Simmons, I mean, the Sixers were built around Ben Simmons and – You know, it's weird that he's now kind of acting like that wasn't the case. Um, So it it is very interesting insight there. 
Um, and even Joel went as far as to say, like, yeah, we chose like you over Ben or you over Jimmy Butler, excuse me. Um, and that was, I thought that was one of the most shocking comments, most honest comments we've gotten from NBA, an NBA player in a while. Yeah. Usually we don't get that, you know, everyone's just like, I'm here about the team that's, you know, showing up. I'm, I'm here to fight with my brothers. Right. That whole right. thing. Yeah. Joe was like, no, I'm just going to let it fly. Yeah. Like, he took I, a torch and just like threw it on the bridge. But Joel also knows like everyone agrees with him. You know, how yeah. many, at this point, how many Ben Simmons stands are there? Not a lot, you know? Yeah. They're, they're far between. And at this point, everyone in the city of Philadelphia had obviously picked Joel Embiid. Everyone was in the organizations, obviously, siding with Joel Embiid. So, you know, like there's no repercussions negatively for him saying this. So, yeah, let it fly, man. I like that. But also, like, I think what we've talked about in the past and the reason both of us while we've debated to a degree, ultimately came to the conclusion of if you had to pick one or the other, you got to pick a Joel. It's because of the mental side of it. Like you, you know who you want to lead the team and yeah. this is him leading the team. Like, this is me. This is Philly. This is us. This ain't you. Right. You know? And that's what this is coming down to. Ben Simmons has always proved over the last, what, two years in every situation. He ain't going to be the guy. He's just not going to do it. We saw it exacerbated on the basketball court and against Atlanta. And that's kind of was the final straw for everyone. But we've known this for a couple of years, Ryan. We've talked about this for a couple of years. This wasn't going to work. The Joel Ben thing. So now we just got to pick a side. And it's Joel. Like, I get it. Doesn't make trading Ben Simmons any easier for the organization, like figuring out a trade, which sucks for actually doing what needs to be done. Right. I mean, you can't knock Joel, I guess, for having the thought because everyone else has a thought too. Right. Yeah. He's just pointing it out. And, you know, until Joel said that, I always thought, you know, my perspective was that the Sixers were really built around Joel and his skill set. But the way he phrased it, I mean, he's absolutely right. Like they had to go sign Alf Orford because of Ben Simmons' inability to shoot. They have guys on the roster like Shake Milton and Seth Curry large in large parts due to Ben Simmons, not because of how great Joel Embiid is and not because of Joel's skill set. And Joel's game even caters more to Ben Simmons than Ben Simmons caters to Joel Embiid, um, which is a very peculiar odd case in the NBA. Usually an MVP candidate does not really contort their game to other people on the court. Um, I mean, in, in cases of like, you know, LeBron, like he'll usually the fit is around LeBron versus the other way. So I, I, I thought that was an interesting perspective. I just hadn't thought of with the six year situation. Yeah, no, it's, it, it was a really good point, particularly the Jimmy Butler portion of it. Or, yeah, just how else they fill the fringe of the roster. And something not really brought up, but something I like to think about is also like how they draft. Right. Yeah. Like. They, they've never gone out and drafted like the lead guard or tried to trade and go get like the lead guard aside from the one Jimmy Butler time. Cause it's always been Ben, we're going to let you do it. Ben, we're going to let you do it. Ben, You're going to have the ball in your hand. Yeah. yeah. And they've never invested in that type of guy. And not that this is an overriding factor by any means, but a very small part of me wonders, okay, Tyrese Maxey looked really good for them. 
I wonder if they got a little, well, we weren't trying to draft a lead guard, but we may have found one slash we're to the point where we can trade for one or at least enough of one and feel pretty good about our chances with Joel and everyone else. You know, like it's to the point of we eliminated all the other factors. We got a new coach. Remember that also brought in Doc. We did everything we could have done. So, you know, the common denominator for failure now is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I, as we've been saying, they're going to ride with Joel Embiid. Once an MVP candidate, one is not, right? Like that's what it kind of comes down to. Moving on from Ben Simmons, I'd, uh, put a pen in that Ben Simmons conversation because we'll come back to that. We haven't, we haven't even touched trade possibilities. Uh, so speaking of trades, John Wall is apparently working on a trade with the Rockets <laughs> to get traded somewhere else. But the question is, who the heck is trading for John Wall in that contract? Because he doesn't want to be bought out. Can we can we do an inter-league trade? Like, is like the Chinese Basketball Association like a potential landing spot? Like, what's what are we doing here? Uh, I don't think Kristaps Porzingis makes enough, honestly, for that trade to work quite well, quite yet. Um, the the Rockets got hit the cap minimum, so probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, you just look up and down the teams who would take on a John Wall. Um, there's just not many of them unless he's getting bought out. And, and, you know, like I said, he doesn't want to get bought out. So what do you do? I think, I mean, he's not around the team currently. So like, what do you do in this situation, Matt? Do you just let it ride out? And maybe there's a buyout in December, January? Probably at this point, again, it's a lot of money. And on top of that, it's like ninety six million over like two years or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's over ninety million. So I think part of this is also like who just has, you know, forty ish million to trade mm. in, in salary cap. Like, you know, the the Cavs can get close with Kevin Love, but right. like Cavs don't want John Wall. Well, and that that's the other thing. John Wall wants to go to a place that can be competitive. And there's not many places. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand that. But like, yeah, we, we talked about this over the off season is in the point guard market is there's a lot of teams that have point guards now. Right. You know, like that's just kind of a, been a rich market to, you know, just find guys. So now Don Wall, it's like, okay, you're, you're at a position where we don't need a lot of you anymore, like extra guys floating around. So, you know, it's like, he may not like it, but what Kimba did with OKC is probably about as good as it's going to get is you're still getting paid your entire salary. It's just, you know, a majority chunk is coming from the franchise you're not on anymore. And (laughs) the rest of it is coming from the new franchise. Kimba got bought out on OKC and then signed for 8 million in New York and it balances back out. But like John Wall didn't want that. You know, so I I feel for John Wall because I really like John Wall. I still think he can be a useful NBA player at this point, but a starting like top 15 level point guard, he's definitely not that anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wonder if there's like a backup guard spot somewhere. I wonder even if like 
like if he does get port bought out, like Portland might be a good landing spot to back up Dame. And like you can even play him next to Dame and mix match like Dame and CJ minutes with Wall and kind of trade him out. That could yeah. be kind of interesting because there's enough shooting on that team. I think that could it could get away with that. But that's the other piece. He's not really a shooter. So like well, it's like it's if he wants to go to I'm just saying a team, if he wants to go to the Clippers, like the Clippers would probably take him for like five million dollars, you know, but they're not trading, you know, Kennard, Morris, and something else to get him. Right. You know, it's a quote unquote lost year because you're probably not getting Kawhi back this year, or at least not till very late. Right. So, but like, yeah, no, they're not trading for forty million dollars for you. Right. So, right. again, that's ultimately where it comes back to. Maybe John Wall effectively takes the year off. As long as Houston's willing to pay him, I I guess I don't see a problem in it. Hey, but, John Wall's been taking the year off ever since he signed this contract, so <laughs> it's not out of the norm there. Yeah, but even next year then, okay, you're on a one-year, like, what, $45, 46000000 million deal? Yeah. Who's trading for that one either? You know, again, it's, it's the buyout and hopefully sign somewhere thing. Right. So, again, where does that get you? I'm not quite sure. Detroit. It can get you to Detroit. Um, <laughs> anyways, Michael Porter Jr. gets a max or yeah, it's a max extension with Denver for five for 173 with a chance to get to 207 million dollars. Yeah. What a deal for Michael Porter Jr., you know? I know. Like Trey and Luca get like the guaranteed 207. Yeah. But like all these other guys, like they get the 173 and it can get up to 207. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what I, you got to do. Denver had to do it. Yeah, you know they didn't have a choice. They they re-signed Aaron Gordon for you know twenty three million a year. They have Jamal Murray on a big deal. They have Jokic on a big deal. And now they have Porter on a big deal. As, if they can actually win a championship here in the next three years, it's totally worth it. If they can't, it's still relatively worth it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you got to take a chance on it, right? You can't go the way Oklahoma City Thunder previously where you have guys who you think can make a championship roster happen and let them go for, um, you know, less than what you're what you were willing to to give up to get them. And, you know, with Michael Porter Jr., do we know if he's worth that contract? Maybe, maybe not. But I think if you're Denver, you have to take a swing on this. And I think this is 100% the right move. This year will tell a lot since he's going to get to play with the ball in his hands a lot more. Yep. Like how much of a dude he is. But even if, like, you go through these next couple years and just be like, okay, maybe he's not it. He's not worth the money. He's still going to be young enough and talented enough, assuming, like, the back, like, stays healthy to be like, even if you needed to trade him in a couple of years, you could, but you don't have to worry about that legitimately for a while. Cause he might just be worth it straight up. And mm. if he proves it over the next two years, you might be an NBA champion. Right. So, yeah. Like, again, you had to do it. It feels like a lot, but that's just what the going rate is now. So a couple of injury news pieces here now to start the season. Patrick Williams, a key player to the Chicago Bulls, will be out four to six week, uh, four to six weeks due to ankle injury, 
And also, Karis LeVert has a minor stress fracture in his back, and he's hopeful um, to start the season. A little bit of a bummer there for both those guys, Patrick Williams coming into the second year, and then Karis LeVert just never really having any <laughs> time to really get in a rhythm, unfortunately, for him. But hopefully he's back to start the season. Yeah, both injuries that suck. Obviously, Chicago, like, you already have no depth, so that one really hurts. And Indiana, like, T.J. Warren's still out. You know, bringing in a new coach and Rick Carlisle. Karis Silver looking for that fresh start after the disaster of last season. Yeah, both, like, they both suck. But as long as it works out here in the next, by the end of October, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, right. And last piece of news here, more about the uh, um, vaccine COVID continuation. NBA announces they will not have a vaccine mandate for players, uh, but will follow local mandates. So let's go get that brings us to topic number one, Matt. What's our topic number one? Yeah, we just got to go there. We're just going to keep going with that last point, Ryan. Uh, Because this is a a thing in the NBA now, and we're starting to talk about it more from the basketball side of this. Because, like, Again, people don't listen to us for our vaccine opinions. Uh, no, definitely not. Definitely you know. not. Can't confirm. Yeah. How's how's med school going, Ryan? Good? Um, well, I flunked out after the first hour, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think either of us really got those acceptance letters. Uh, so we're not going to try and talk on that. <laughs> but we will talk about the basketball side of this. So obviously, we, you know, if you listen to any sports talk show, you know, we've all heard and seen the news. Kyrie's, you know, doing what Kyrie does, to put it that way. You know, Brad Beal's got some things to say. Jonathan Isaac's got some things to say. Uh, amongst others, you know, a couple days ago, whenever media day started happening, the league announced they were at about a 90% vaccine rate. Mm. And as of today, Sunday, the league put out again, where they bolstered that to about 95%. So obviously some guys came into camp talked about other teams probably felt some level of pressure mm. and got a vaccine. So there's that one of which included Andrew Wiggins, who was another kind of outspoken person applied for a religious exemption. We know this got reported, got denied. Uh, you know, again, we, we love Twitter and everything. Cause you know, it's the lifeblood of the NBA, but like, just people will be like, man, the NBA really told Andrew Wiggins he don't know God like that. Just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I live for it. But, you know, he went to his media day. He's pretty firm about this. Report came out from Shams just a couple hours ago. He did get the vaccine now. I heard the Warriors were giving out the Johnson Johnson. So a one, time, one time, yeah, one time, one time shot. Done. Um, because he effectively had to get it done here before uh, Thursday, October seventh. Yeah, yeah, because they start on the twenty first. So, you know, like I get it that you know he didn't want to ultimately for whatever reason change his mind. Well, we could speculate all day on what those reasons are. I'm sure a lot of other players have been in that same situation of, you know, maybe I don't want to, I do want to, but ultimately it's a basketball decision. Like you got to do it. Some guys I, I think there's about 20 million reasons for Andrew Wiggins to get the vaccine. 
Then it's closer to 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. 25 to 30 million reasons why why he probably got the vaccine. But, you know, coming back to the basketball side of this, like the team building side of this, you know, for Wiggins, it's a specific situation. Of, he lives and plays in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They have a local mandate about, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to be vaccinated. Whereas um, other cities not like that, New York does have that same policy. That's why this is really affecting Kyrie Irving and the Nets. Allegedly, there's more people on the Nets that are also unvaccinated, but we don't know about it. The Knicks reported they're 100% vaccinated, so they're not going to have to deal with this. Um, but so, a couple things here. Ryan, what do you think this has any impact on teams? Because this really applies to the, the Warriors, Knicks, and Nets more so, but teams that are looking to make moves, teams that will inevitably make moves, whether it's bringing in players or trades, whatever, like, is this something extra, like they have to keep in mind? Or do you think like in time, this will kind of get worked out to where players can kind of make these quote unquote private decisions? Uh, So I think the team that it would, I, I mean, like from a team GM perspective, I would be most worried if I were the Warriors for the number one reason that, you know, you're trying to compete for a championship. You feel like you have a window because the West might be open this year. You're getting Clay Thompson back finally after two years of not playing basketball. You feel like you have a solid team. Steph just came off a MVP like year. And Andrew Wiggins is kind of a linchpin in this roster. Like, you're needing him for 30 minutes a night until, like, Clay comes back, really. Um, and so, like, obviously, like, I, I think directly, like, Golden State, like, this is most concerning toward. Now that's resolved, of course, like, it's not as big of a deal for Golden State anymore because I think they're 100% vaccinated now. Um, so, at, with the Nets, like, and Kyrie even, like – this isn't – it wouldn't be the first time Kyrie's away from the team for a while, right, or not able to be a part of team activities. Like, he did this last year where he took that, like, week, week and a half off, and the Nets almost made it to the conference finals, and it didn't even seem like they were breaking a sweat most of the time. So, I don't know. I If you're trading for someone and wanting to acquire them – Maybe it comes into your calculus, but ultimately, like, it's a pit. Like, if you're the Knicks, right, and you're trading for Damian Lillard, sure, then that gets into your calculus. But if you're making like some low level move, uh, maybe not. Maybe a mid tier move, like, if you're trading for CJ McCollum. Like, do you feel like you're going to make that much more of a run? I guess, like, if you're competing for a championship, every move matters. So, in a way, I guess it does. Like, it does come into the calculus of a team sum. The Nets are the really interesting one to me. One, because Kyrie, like, I mean, he, he is a great player. Andrew Wiggins is a decent player whose role is amplified because of Clay's injury. And the Roy- the Warriors have no depth on the right. roster. Right. You know? 
um, outside of like the young guys they've drafted them over the last couple of years. Whereas in Brooklyn, like they have good depth, mm-hmm. at least good enough depth for like they can deal without it. But ultimately, like you need two of Harden, KD, and Kyrie out there to feel like actually good about your chances. But you need all three to feel great about them. I mean, I three, three is like Thanos getting the Infinity Gauntlet and all the the mites, like all the gems. Like it's over. It's over at that point. I mean, Kyrie was a 50, 40, 90 guy last year. Like he was incredible when he played. Right. When he played. But, you know, I, I, some, I mean, maybe this is a little bit of PTSD as a Boston fan here. It doesn't sit right, Ryan. Like it, it doesn't, something doesn't feel good about this. Um, if I'm the Nets, because at this point, I, I would not feel safe assuming like, okay, we'll come playoff time though. He'll be good. Like this will be changed. He'll be in there. Like if it's not, can you imagine like a game seven against the Lakers to, for the for the championship and they just like Kyrie can't play? You know, obviously yeah. you're, you've gotten there at that point with Kyrie not playing all the home games, but I, I want Kyrie out there if I'm the Nets. Big so, brain move here by the Nets. They don't get home court advantage. <laughs> <laughs> any road games as possible um do you think that they would petition to move to like tampa for like the year like, like is that even a conversation piece like can it be a conversation piece it, I, can it probably will it like i feel like james harden would protest by putting on 40 pounds again um <laughs> you, you know so it's just I guess what I'm getting at here is if you're the Nets, at what point do you go risk management and cut your losses? Like if you really, if you legitimately feel like Kyrie Irving will not get the vaccine again, whatever, you know, rationale he wants to use for not getting it. Okay. He doesn't get the vaccine and you don't have him, and New York doesn't change its its mandates and laws and whatever, what what do you do? Yeah, that's a great point, is, like, you're staring down the barrel of, like, trying to win. Because if you don't win the NBA championship and everyone remains healthy and available, that's a failure, right? Like, if Kevin Durant and James Harden are available to win the championship or, you know, play and play at a high level and you don't win the championship, that's a failure for the Brooklyn Nets. Right. And it, it, it would be an extra knife twist if Kyrie Irving was healthy but not available um, in, in some sort of home playoff game situation, like you were saying. Um, it, the tricky thing is, like, the risk management size says to like cut your losses, like you're saying, but the like relationship side of things like Kyrie and Katie kind of came as a, a package deal. Like, what does this do? Like if you trade Kyrie, like what does that do to Kevin Durant? You know, does that put him in a spot where he doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore? And then like James Harden definitely wouldn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. Like, sure. There's a whole snowball effect there that, that's that's 
you got to be super right. careful about. You obviously have to be having conversations with Durant and Harden right. before, so obviously. But yeah, the the dynamic of it was Katie and Kyrie to start, like does complicate this. Same time, Katie and Harden have the history, right? Plus, I mean, Harden was one battling out there with Katie like best he could on you know what seemed like no legs in, like in one leg yeah he, he could pass the ball that was it so i don't know i don't feel like it's oh well Kyrie's not here like what am i why am i here right no, i don't i don't feel like that would be a thing especially if you got let back like a legitimate return but even that's a problem of like Kyrie. you know just all the reports of like he would threaten retirement if he got traded and i totally get that of course part of it depends on the trade where but right. you know it's like yeah if you send him to like minnesota then like yeah like he's gonna be like i am um, no i'm not yeah i'm done yeah you know but like you know we can theorize places all day um and be like okay you know i'll, I'll play there i'll go to dallas I'll, you yeah. know wherever i don't know ryan Kyrie for ben simmons straight up who says no I think the Brooklyn Nets say no. <laughs> See, that's the, is that one where Kyrie would be like, I'd play. Because if he would, then the, then Philly would have to, like, attach picks in there, you know? Um, but, like, I don't, I don't know. Just mutually beneficial to both sides. Just I mean, it's that. interesting. At what, what under over are we setting for James Harden and Ben Simmons getting a fight? Like twenty games. Well, so here's the thing: is like we we just get into the situation of Ben Simmons wants to pass the ball, mm. so gonna let Harden have it, and Ben Simmons wants to pass the ball to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's gonna be like, Durant's gonna be like, all right, buckets, you know, like, and plus it's another defender because the Nets desperately need defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense basketball wise. Really you know. Philly yeah. needs to score. So, you know, I, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just Could throwing you, it to the universe. The Joel Kyrie pick and rolls would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Like Kyrie can go downhill. Kyrie can, you know, still play on the perimeter. Like th- this could work. I'm just saying. But it, it gets back to the bigger point of like Brooklyn has to figure out how they want to manage this before the season starts. Like, this yeah. can't be a, you know, flip-flopping, you know, walk on eggshells thing, you know, through January. And then we're, you know, getting towards the trade deadline and everyone's like, okay, Kyrie's played 24 games, mm. you know? Right. Like, and especially if the Nets didn't quite get to where they wanted to get to or aren't at a point they want to be at, put it that way. Right. I, there's just a lot that goes into this and I don't, envy the job of the front office in Brooklyn right now. The, I thought last year would be a tough year, like the toughest year to be an NBA executive. I think this year is topping it, going to top it. Because it gets even more complicated. Like how frustrating is it if you're like the Nets, like who has this vaccine mandate? And like guys from, I don't know, Florida, Miami, can come into Brooklyn and play unvaccinated, Right. Like, it kind of gets a little messy there, like you were saying. And it's just, I don't know. It's a weird spot to be in. 
like on a good year, like you just want to worry about your players' health, like keeping them healthy on the court. And now you're having to bring in so much extra stuff, yeah. uh, which makes it that that much more difficult. So let's let's transition over to our second big and last topic. Started to hint at it here, and we talked about it at the top. The Ben Simmons bit. We we just have to come back to this because this is too good not to. We we spoke about Philly um, at the top and the disgruntled, you know, players, coaches, no longer coaches because Doc Rivers had the weird first take appearance. Uh, Now we've got the 76ers are withholding salary. So uh, apparently Ben Simmons is paid in quarters, uh, like quarterly. Sorry, that'd be weird. I could also see a very petty thing of Daryl Morey, you know. That'd be great. And just stacks of coins to Ben Simmons. But so Ben Simmons has already been paid the first 8.25 million of his salary. Now the second 8.25 million is being withheld from him, put in like an escrow account and, you know, starting up here in the next couple weeks, every time he misses a game, a certain amount gets taken out. Like that's, that's fine. So it's not even like they gave Ben Simmons his money and then they're going to find him. They're like, no, you don't get any of it. And we're going to take it from you still, you know, at about $225,000 every game. So Ben Simmons, Philly, obviously on completely different ends of the spectrum here of where they, like what needs to be going on here. And Daryl still can't find a deal or won't accept the deal. Let's put it that way. I don't Ryan, how long can this last before Philly has to legitimately start worrying about their championship chances? I mean, if Ben Simmons doesn't play and they don't get have any sort of return for Ben Simmons, like I don't see a championship contention, a path to the championship for them, right? Like the worries now. Yeah, the worries now. Like, I would be worried. Like, I, if I'm a Philly fan, I'm freaking out about this. Because, like, okay, cool. Darren Murray's wanting to wait until um, Damian Lillard or whoever else gets upset. Bradley Beal gets upset and asks for a trade. Guess what? Those get Bradley Beal, this is the third season we've been talking about this coming into the season, and he hasn't, hasn't asked for a trade yet. What makes you think in the next three months he's going to ask for a trade? And are you really willing? Let's say Joel Embiid goes out because he, he has gone out and missed significant parts of time in every season he's played. Yeah. Your starting lineup now is who? Yeah, it's a lot of the kids. Tyrese, and you're expecting to win a championship this year? Like, let's get let's be real here. Philly, Philly, here. Let me let me let me break it down to you like this. Philly fans. You're not winning a championship this year. There's no way that the Philadelphia 76ers are winning a championship this year unless Ben Simmons is traded. Because even if he gets traded, like, to get a return of someone or someone's, plural, that could, like, actually help you win, is a challenge, like, in and of itself. Like, Like you're missing $30 million in your roster. Yeah. And in your cap. Like you're just 
strung out by this player. And like Tobias Harris can be fine. But what Ben Simmons did defensively for Philly, like we can talk about offensive struggles all day long with Ben Simmons. Um, But the defensive side of things, like he was a a top defender in the league. And like your your defense is going to drop, therefore your offense is going to drop. Things are going to be hard for Joel. Things are going to be harder for players like Seth Curry. It, it, it just has this huge trickle-down effect. And I, and I don't – like, Daryl Morey saying, like, he's going to wait until the deal is right. It makes sense. And, like, I understand them wanting the uncomfortable. But when you start 5-10, and 10, 15 games into the season, what is – does your tune change? Because I bet it does. You, you brought up a good part of the team building bit of, like, you can't have thirty million in dead cap, right? You just can't. Like when an injury happens, like with Golden State last year with Clay, it's not the same situation, but it's, a, it's the same effect. Clay Thompson's taken up a large portion of her salary. He was out. Like there's nothing they could do about it. Had the injury. In this situation, it's you know not an injury, but it's the same thing. Like that, you just can't have high expectations. Thirty mm. percent of your cap and your second best player is you know effectively just doing nothing for you and that's the thing with the trade market is to get someone that can help you win a championship you rattled off a couple names there like the brad beal bit yeah it's probably just not happening he's weirdly committed to washington damian lillard i mean it would take like what a you know a five and ten two and thirteen whatever start for him to be like okay i'm out like this chauncey Phillips thing ain't working right like but i joked about the Kyrie bit Kyrie might be like one of the few guys that could like again come in and like maybe actually like give them a championship chance just there aren't those guys out there right and like the asking price for simmons has just been too high for too long like you're not like you're not like if you're getting ben simmons for Dame, like you're sending stuff with Ben to make the deal work. Like you're sending picks out. Like it's not going to be like the Sixers are acting like he's this prize star and sure. Like he has some really good talent, but at what point are is it even worth it? Like, what is he, we've talked about this multiple times on this podcast and other podcasts point to one area in his offensive game. That's gotten significantly better since he started in the NBA. One, one, point to one. Yeah, that's the thing. Obviously, the three-point shot's not a thing. Free throw shooting for him is just abysmal. Right. And even, like, finishing at the rim because he doesn't want to get fouled is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They don't use him because whether it's them or him as, like, a short roll guy in the pick and roll, like, setting the screen. He's an incredible passer. He's always been an incredible passer. Like he sees the floor, he gets two buckets in transition, all that. But yeah, the the pull up game, even like you know, free throw line extended, which is weird that that's gone away from his game because literally NBA defenses nowadays will give it to you. Like they'll literally just let you take it, mm-hmm. and he doesn't take it anymore. You know, so again, it's a very weird thing there. 
And if you're Philly at this point, to me, it'd be like if anyone gives you an all-star caliber player, borderline just accept the deal. Like, right. you know, it, you're, you're, if your mindset is like, give me something that maybe I could trade down the line. Okay, again, I get it. But that guy's probably just not available this year. Like the ultimate prize you want of Beal, Dame, whatever. It's just not attainable this year. But you and I talked about previously, you have to maximize the Joel years. And like right. we're, we're coming towards the end of his window. Let's just be honest. A couple years, maybe three. Yeah, like three. three Joel Embiid. No, right. not all-star Joel Embiid. MVP Joel Embiid. Joel might still be an all-star for the next five years if his body can hold up. But like MVP, like it, it's not going to last forever. Shaq didn't last forever as an MVP. Right. He was a great player for a long time, but he wasn't even MVP level Shaq like well into the 2000s. Right. Like how would you expect Joel, who's not as good as Shaq, to do that? You know, so – Again, there's rumors about teams that are still interested. Like through all this, they're they're still willing to take a chance on Ben Simmons. The Timberwolves, we mentioned them with the Rosas thing. Um, they're allegedly still interested. You know, if we can get into teams, Pacers, Cavs, Pistons, Raptors, Spurs. But I mean, kind of noticed the commonality here. Not a lot of uh, wins in total between these franchises, Ryan, uh, it's been, you think, I don't know if you're one of those teams, like I get why you want Ben Simmons, but if you're Ben Simmons, like what about any of those teams would make you be like, you know what? Now I'm going to work on my game. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's not Philly. That might be your one motivator. Just kind of stick it to Philly. Um, does Ben, does, does he have that though? Cause at this point, like this, like, F you, like, watch this is not a part of Ben Simmons' like mindset on a basketball court. Yeah, on the ba- on the basketball court, that's accurate. Right now, we're seeing it play off off the basketball court. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're. He doesn't have that like Kobe Bryant killer instincts. He's not that type of player. Um, so the Spurs stand out to me. I, th- I think that would be an interesting fit. They could do some stuff with him and maybe even get him. To shoot some. I mean, they got turned Kawhi into an amazing shooter. Um, so I don't, the Spurs always are interesting to me. Hey, get get a guy with Greg Popovich, and good things seem to happen. Yeah. So we did come up with a a couple of trade scenarios each. So rule number one for us was on our first scenario, we had to formulate a trade from one of those six teams listed um, that are reportedly still interested in. And then our second um, trade uh, machine ideas could be from whomever. So I'll, I'll go first I'll, to keep the San Antonio train running. First of all, this trade's not going to happen because San Antonio just won't do it, which is boring and stupid, but um, unless it gets done here in the next couple of days, like they just, they're not going to make the trade like in season. Mm. So they're probably just not making the trade, but they're not making the trade in season. So here we go. 
Uh, I said Simmons and just, you know, for the sake of it, we'll send Paul Reed in the deal also to San Antonio in exchange. Philly would get uh, Derek White, Thad Young, Devin Vassell, couple firsts, maybe throw a second round pick in there, you know, whatever. I, again, I wonder if Philly is like dead set on like, we, we need picks, you know, mm. not because they want the picks, but so that way they can trade the picks again later. But again, in theory, this gets you a backcourt player in Derek White, gets you another vet that young that we like, that we know is like a winning player, takes another shot on a young guy like Vassell. And again, probably more of a trade chip along with the first. So it's like, that's to me like a formula mm-hmm. for a trade to me. Like that's a pretty reasonable deal. I don't know if Philly would do it. I don't know if it's quote unquote enough for them, but that feels like the structure of a deal that could actually facilitate a trade. Yeah. I mean, like I, I think the, what do you have? Yeah. Two firsts and two future seconds. Um, like, yeah, I don't think Philly necessarily wants like draft assets coming back. They want like players who can win now, but yeah, I mean like that, it gives maybe some more ammunition to Philly to go out and get someone else even. So I, I, I don't hate, I like the idea. Um, I, and I think it could be something that is a realistic deal for Ben Simmons because I, I mean, I think Philly is just still an unrealistic, an unrealistic spot. That's, that's the problem with the deal. It makes too much sense. So, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. Right. And like you said, San Antonio doesn't, doesn't do the uh, traits ever. So probably not going to happen. Well, my, my, transitioning away from your spurs even though it's it's a good trade um i got simmons to the timberwolves Mm. for delo and jake layman and picks and pick swaps this goes back to a conversation we've had before is d'angelo russell good i don't know (laughs) i have i have no idea can I wash my hands of this conversation? Cause like he might be good and with Joel Embiid, like you place him next to an MVP candidate and he might be good. Just kind of run him off action. Like effectively what they did with JJ Redick, but right. with a little more ball handling ability. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if that's the idea, like it can work. I think oddly enough, like I know D'Angelo Russell isn't the great greatest defender, but he's a really kind of an okay like isolation scorer. And so like when it comes playoff time, you kind of need a guy like that, you know, like outside of scoring in the low post, like Joel, it could be a nice fit next to Tobias too. Like that's the other piece is like, you kind of got to keep in mind this other guy who you're paying $30 million a year for Philly. Yeah. It's one of those, you definitely wouldn't be afraid to shoot. Right. I know that. Right. I don't know if it's going in. But he's definitely not afraid to shoot. And again, maybe between the picks and other roster salary you have, you could go make other moves happen. Mm. I'm also like, would be halfway worried that like the Philadelphia fans would be like, 
40 games into the season and be like, wait, Tyrese Maxey's better than him. <laughs> you know, whether it's it's true or not doesn't really matter. I'm just like that that they irrationally love Tyrese Maxey. Right. Know? Right. Because he's the second second son of Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's kind of an interesting deal. Like yours, I think it makes too much sense. Like this is the one that's been reported on. The Wolves have another deal that involves like Malik Beasley and uh a couple other players that I think they're wanting to do, but that's never I mean, that's just not realistic for Ben Simmons, I don't think. I guess it depends on your opinions of Beasley and whomever else, like you know. Also, they did like the weird deal with the Cavs where they sent out like Rubio and everything, and it's like, oh, that could have actually been, you know, someone or something that they could have used, or like Torian Prince, you know, like mm. again, could have been someone like, but it's like, oh, we would have actually like, you know, done that with him and Beasley and whatever. But right. beside the point. Um, all right, so now to my next one. Again, I went off the list here uh, for my and just because. One, I just kind of want to really see this one happen. Again, it's not a championship trade, but let's get Ben Simmons and Shake Milton to Memphis. And the the exchange would be for Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, and like three first. You could even do another couple swaps in there. Because the thing is for Memphis, like you're just you're accumulating talent. Clearly, with the you know Valanciunas trade this offseason, they kind of signaled like we're not trying to push even higher in the playoffs, like to the six, five. Like we'll take a step back, let Jaw develop, let Jaron Jackson Jr. develop. So this kind of would go along with that. And then on top of it, uh, for Memphis, like you can do this trade, and as a small market, you don't want to be giving up picks, though. Mm, right, right, but. Memphis has future picks that they acquired from, you know, other teams. So like the three first I mentioned, like two of them aren't even Memphis picks. Mm. So it'd be one of those, like you're sending out one way future Memphis pick, you know, you could do a couple other swaps if you wanted, like again, further down the line when you think you'd actually be good, Mm. but you know, you can do that in 2026. Right. And and not really feel like you're giving up the talent accumulation stage you're currently in. You know, in case this doesn't work out or the Jaron Jackson Jr. thing, like the health never, you know, gets to where it needs to be. And like, you just don't feel confident, you know, building a forward with him. So Memphis, like developmentally for their franchise, I think it makes sense. But then if you're Philly... Okay, Dylan Brooks could start for them. Right. Or not, but he could start for them. Kyle Anderson might even start for them. Yeah. Ty Jones might even start for them. Yep. Like again, at very worst, like those are all rotation players. So I again, Philly, like you need guys. You need you need quality NBA basketball players. And that that's three like legit rotation pieces plus assets to trade if you needed it so you know i i would like this move for both teams i again probably makes too much sense but i like the idea of it it's similar in terms of structure to the other the san antonio trade of 
a, a younger player, uh, a vet who can probably step in right away, and then another you know good rotation piece plus picks. Yeah, yeah, I I like that deal. I mean, it makes sense. I think it's it's rational in that like Dylan Brooks can play like some serious playoff minutes, and you're like defensively, he's he's pretty good. And another guy who's not afraid to shoot. Yeah, he's not gonna. It's not gonna be a disaster on the court. Like all of these guys that you're getting back in this deal are not disasters on the floor, and that's the positive. Yeah, I guess if it, it's like the full embrace of Joel Embiid, you know. Right. This is like handing the keys to the kingdom. To yeah, Joel, Joel Embiid. Well, I, my last one, I stayed on the list because I, I don't know. I don't think there's very many interesting trades out there. Ben Simmons, really. Indiana Pacers, Matt. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get myself to feel good about this one. I couldn't either, but this is like the, I think this is, this is like three picks plus two pick swaps that Indiana is sending. So it would be Simmons to the Pacers for Turner, TJ Warren, and then those three picks and pick swap, two more pick swaps. If you're a Philly, you have a breaking case of emergency center and Miles Turner. When Joel goes out, because we all know Joel is going to be out for an extended period, and TJ Warren, the last time we saw him play, he was putting up 50 points in the bubble against the Miami Heat and looked awesome in the playoffs, in the bubble. Um so I, he's a wing scorer. He can defend a little bit. And if you feel good about his development path, you could throw in instead of TJ Warren. It, it, if I'm the Pacers, I'm giving them the choice of Warren or Karis LeVert. And I think if I were Philly, I would rather have TJ Warren as a break. It depends on Warren's health. Again, that's, that's part yeah, of it. It's right. like he's still out to start the year. So he fits right in with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I don't He's got a foot injury. I don't think the Philly can like deal with another foot injury. <laughs> I think it might delay just break their franchise. Um, but yeah, between him or Levert, like either one that gets the deal done. Uh, I think, hey, this is a philosophical thing. Like you can't put that much money into your center position. Like right. you're already paying Joel a thousand, you know, million dollars. Right. So I, I totally get the insurance policy and like they made the wrong choice with choosing Andre Drummond as their insurance policy for this year. It, you know, I'm not even, but like this, that feels like that could be a three team deal with someone, you yeah. know? Yeah. I don't I mean, know who off the top of my head, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, that's a great you, point if you could convince Dallas to come get in this and then like you get Dwight Powell in the deal, like I would, I would like that more because Powell has like some four or five versatility. Right. You know, and right. can go on the perimeter. Whereas miles Turner, like I'm not trusting him on the perimeter, but it's like yeah. a center, like, you know, again, the break glass scenario. Like I get that. It's just like, how do you allocate money? But I guess anything is better than allocating $30 million to Ben Simmons to sit in his LA home. Right. 
I wonder if you could get Toronto to get on, on this 3D team deal and get like Siakam back if you're the Sixers um, and figure that out in some way. Yeah, Toronto straight up like is a, is an interesting one. I toyed around with them. Like again, do they want Siakam? I, I, I'm also not convinced that Siakam's like a top 20 player in the league. So yeah, I mean, I would be with you there. I think the thing, like, selling point for Philly is that he's won a championship. Like, whether it's with Kawhi or not, like, he's been in these situations. He's unafraid of these big moments. Right. Um, and and you just, I mean, would hopefully take a swing on that guy versus... See, I'd be much more inclined if I'm dealing with Toronto to push to get Fred Van Fleet. Mm. You know, like, get the actual guard you need. The, the MVP of the tw- 2019 finals. Incredible run after having the, after having the baby. Yeah. Um, but that's who I'd be going for because if, you know, Toronto's already got Malachi Flynn, who is a really nice second year player for them. Um, they used a first round pick on. So I, I, I don't know. You already tried the super big thing. Mm. It didn't work. Like, don't make me watch it again. I think this is where I'm like, selfishly coming back to. Like, don't make me watch this again. Like, go get a guard. I don't know who, but go get a guard, someone that can dribble the basketball. And, like, again, embrace what Joel Embiid needs to get a championship with him. Because, again, that's what you're ultimately going for here. So, real quick, I'm going to surprise you with this last one because I didn't write it anywhere down. All right. Scenario plays out. Ready for this. The Oklahoma City Thunder are better than expected this season, but miss the playoffs. And SGA gets, like, most improved player. June 22nd, 2022 rolls around, and Ben Simmons has not been traded anywhere. Would you do an SGA for Ben Simmons trade? From the Thunder, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't do it today either. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not even like the, like, I, I really like Shea, but I'm not even like the biggest Shea guy. Like, I'm not a Thunder fan. Like, I don't know stake in him. But, like, yeah, I just wouldn't do it at this point. Straight up. Dang. All right. That's fair. Uh, would you do, hear me out on this one. Would you do a Steven Adams size trade exception and Poku for Ben Simmons? Sure. <laughs> who says no? And for some reason, I think I know who, but <laughs> you're already giving up on on Poku. I see. Uh, I'm not buying into the 20 pounds of muscle got added to Poku hype. No, you're you're you would be correct, Matt. Uh, I have some exciting news. I'm going to the preseason Thunder game, the first one. Monday. There you go. Um, Do they play? I have no idea. I don't even care. <laughs> okay. I'm just excited that I'm going to go to a Thunder game in like two years. I think the last Thunder game I, I went to was when we went to the Celtics Thunder game in 2018, I think, 2019. And Tatum yammed on Paul George. And yeah. I was, young I was you know, supporting Mook Morris from the upper deck. Yeah, that, that, that's how long ago that was. Kyrie Irving was still on the Boston Celtics. Yeah. What a day. What a time that was. What a time to be alive, you know? Matt, this is uh, the 
first episode and the fourth season of us doing podcasts starting the NBA season. That's um, wild. And it's crazy. But it's it's good to be back finally. Next week we'll be talking about the Western Conference final. Western Conference, not the finals, but Western Conference. And then the week after that, we'll be talking about East. And then the season's here. Yeah. Predictions, over-unders. And yeah, you're right. October 19th. Rolling a ride around the corner. It's it's getting closer and closer. We're actually on the NBA calendar again. We know when the trade deadline's coming. We know mm-hmm. when the finals will be. It's going to be amazing. Good it's good time. Good time. Put it well, in my vein. Yeah, right here. That, right that's here. That's not a great. I don't know. Is that a great celebration anymore? Like, can can D'Angelo Russell do that celebration anymore? <laughs> you know, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, anyways, that's it for episode 122. We will see you back for episode 124. Yeah.